0: Good evening, Rue. Good evening, Nick. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you doing? Lovely, thank you very much. I'm the proud owner of a brand new, well, six months old, uh, Citroën C3 Picasso. Going up in the world. We did. We upgraded twice this year. We went from a C1 to a C3 and then realised it wasn't quite big enough. So we're, we're now C3 Picasso drivers. It's very nice. We, we picked it up this afternoon. And it's uh, a bit of a cross between a car and a van. I quite like it. But you fit in. Oh yeah, headroom and legroom and space for baby seats and you can put the buggy in the back uh, with the wheels down flat. Yeah, it's great. Good stuff. And you know, straight off the bat, tip to
1: listeners who think they need to upgrade their car to fit car seats in, take your car seat
0: with you when you go to buy the car. definitely do that and buy the biggest car you can see. (laughs) (laughs) Well here we are, episode 19 episode 19 of Beardy Dads. Uh, my name is Rue Reynolds, and I'm the proud father of a 22-week-old boy, about five months now, uh, called Oliver. And I'm Nick O'Leary, uh,
1: father to a three-and-a-half-month-year-old Lauren and a three-and-three-quarter-year-old Toby. <laughs> Three-and-three-quarters now, is it? Yeah, it's that's a bit of a mouthful. Because I noticed last week you did Oliver's age in months rather than weeks. And it's that kind of that point now, you know, Lauren's... I haven't even added up how many weeks she is because she's at that point now where you just say three and a half months. Right. You yeah. know, it, you sort of stop counting weeks. Now Now you count months. And, you know, with Toby, he's four in August. So, you know, three, three and a half, four. But, you know, he's almost four.
0: Almost four. Yeah. That's that's when you start rounding up. Do, does Toby talk about himself as being three and a half or nearly four? Or what, um, what would he? what would he say if I asked him?
1: He doesn't do halves, but he knows he is three and he will be four on his next birthday. He he knows
0: numbers. He likes numbers. He's pretty so. good with numbers. I was very impressed the other day when you, you put laid down four digits on the floor. Oh, yeah, he,
1: he, he can read thousands. Yeah. He has a little set of wooden numbers, and he has for a long time, and he was just laying them out in numbers he knew, up to a 100, so then Joe showed him... Um, you know, if you put three digits, it's hundreds, and he got that pattern. Having been shown like two, three-digit numbers, he got the pattern. We just then had to say, and if you have four numbers, that's you know, two thousand three hundred whatever, and he just got it. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things that's going to be interesting, and I'm sure we'll cover it at the time because he starts school in in September. Yeah, and his numbers are pretty good. I'm sure we've taught him everything entirely the wrong way, though, so I'm sure <laughs> it'll be interesting when he starts school and he has to unlearn anything we've taught him and learn it all all their way. How's his alphabet? Alphabet's good. I mean, he knows it. He can spell short words. He can read letters. No, he's, he's, he's doing all right.
0: When you start school, do they encourage you to have a certain level of literacy and numeracy before you arrive, or do they take it at, at sort of... Everyone's going to learn numbers and letters as, as the first thing they do. I, I
1: think the expectation is they're going to have, they know they're going to have a range of abilities coming in. Mm. Um, I think the um, early years foundation stage is sort of the curriculum, if you can call it that, for nurseries. They do talk about having, you know, recognizing letters. I, I can't remember what exactly it says. If if Jo was here, she could recite it off the top of her head. But, you know, they suddenly do number work and letter work even at nursery.
0: I, it's been a long time since I moved from nursery to reception but I don't remember doing any sort of reading or writing or anything in, in nursery at all. I remember playing with hair dryers uh, right. and particularly pretending that the hair dryers were guns and running around playing cowboys. Right. And I don't think it was until the first week of primary school that we did any sort of you know written, writing down of letters and numbers stuff see, but I, I don't know maybe i forgot all
1: and i'm sure you would have done stuff learning through play as they like to call it you know that you you might have been running around with that hair dryer but when they say you know how many hair dryers have you got or,
0: oh it's true you know, maybe they they were, trick were. you into learning <laughs> yeah <laughs> Baby dad Rachel and Oliver went to see the health visitor this week and were asking about weaning and uh, the health visitor said yeah go for it it's about time get him on some pureed stuff and uh don't don't worry about baby rice but just you know mush up some carrots and things like that. So yeah, we're we're officially in weaning now. I think we mentioned it last week as something that would be coming up soon. And uh yeah, that's that's begun for us. Oliver's tasted his first spoon of carrots. Excellent. How did how did he take that? He really went for it actually. I thought this was going to be a bit of a challenge and it might be just getting a mouthful or or even just getting him to taste it would be success but he was reaching for the spoon shoving it in i reckon he had oh i don't know i reckon he probably had 5 or 6 teaspoons of pureed carrot in his first first sitting
1: good man did he end up wearing a lot of it
0: yes yeah, <laughs> yeah nearly nearly as much was on his top and um i'd i'd gone to put on one of those pelican bibs you know with the yeah. the scoopy bit at the bottom uh, and it was just very slightly too big for his neck and he he didn't seem very comfortable with it so we ended mm. up taking it off and I sort of regretted afterwards not also taking his top off because it would have been much easier to clean up just <laughs> <laughs> chuck him in the bath. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was really good fun, and um, we're now uh, we're now at the stage of trying some some carrot mixed in with some breast milk and some pureed pear. And earlier in the week, I asked our listeners what they thought about weaning and whether they had any tips for us. And I think it's fair to say we had a, a pretty overwhelming response really to all of that
1: yeah we we seem to have quite a lot of replies uh, pointing in the direction of baby led weaning um so that's actually something we did with toby and we we will be doing with lauren when when she starts in the next month or two and in fact uh anton sent in this on this very subject
2: hi uh, i'm anton Piadek and you guys mentioned on twitter that you uh, want to talk about uh, weaning I wanted to take a few minutes to talk to everyone about baby lead weaning because uh, we did it with our three-year-old girl and I've just started with our six-month-old and I have to say, to me, it makes the most sense out of anything. The idea of baby led weaning is that uh, your child has instincts and knows how to feed themselves. They don't need food to be mushed up and squished and, and force-fed to them. Once they're old enough to start doing this, which is about six months, they're quite capable of learning to pick up food themselves, learn to chew it and, and get on with life. The idea of uh, spoon fed feeding comes from a little while ago when uh, the health industry thought that babies needed food much earlier on. The current government advice in the UK is that babies only really need food from about six months old. Now this may vary with some health conditions such as you know, babies have been prematurely born so do check with your health visitor. But for the most part, once babies are six months old, their gut is ready and developed enough to start processing food and they're ready to start eating. This is also about the same time that they are starting to grasp objects, pick them up, lick them, suck them, chew them. And so baby-led weaning basically takes the idea that your children were born with the instinct to do this, so just give them finger food. You don't have to mash stuff up or buy jars of puree, you can just give them more or less what you're eating. Now, don't go overboard and start buying McDonald's, but any healthy food is basically fair game for them. There are some things that are worth avoiding, salt, chief among them, high sugar should be avoided, and anything that they could, you know, really badly choke on nuts are definitely out of the question. But even from six months old, pasta, vegetable sticks, cooked or sometimes raw, but vegetables can be a bit tricky, raw when they're young. Fruit's fine. Anything that they can you know basically pick up. I wouldn't start on peas because they'll not be able to pick them up. But if you're making a healthy meal of pasta or almost anything really, you can give the baby a piece. Now, they may not eat it and that's fine because you're not replacing their initial food. You're offering them an alternative so that they can learn, explore, get flavours, textures. It doesn't need to be a special flavour. Everything's new to them. So they don't think that just because something only has one flavour, simple tomato pasta, even plain pasta, they've never tasted it before. So keep in mind this is the most exciting thing in the world to them. Some days they won't be interested and won't eat much. That's fine. You're still feeding them milk, whether it's breast or bottle fed. So you're just trying to expand their horizons. You're not trying to make a complete meal out of it. Um, there's a couple of great books out there, I'll add a link to the email uh, for uh, the book Baby led Weaning, there's a Baby led Weaning cookbook as well as a, a book on the subject in general, um, but if the idea of, of skipping all the purees and sitting up with your baby at mealtimes and sharing meals meal together, getting involved and making it family time appeals to you, then definitely take some time to read about Baby led Weaning. Uh, my wife suggested it to me after she came back from uh, some sort of mother's group thing, and me the idea just made sense. We've grown as generations and and as a species to eat this sort of thing. My grandparents wouldn't have been fed pureed food, they would have been fed simpler stuff. I don't see why we need to buy purees or spoon-fed babies or force-feed them. They get on absolutely fine with eating the same stuff we do. Thanks all,
0: bye. That was really, really useful because I'd heard of baby-led weaning but I didn't really know what it was. So this idea of just being a bit braver with it and letting them chew stuff up and you know have a go and and you were saying this is something that you did with toby
1: yeah we we did it with toby in fact um i i talked to joe trying to just remember back we think we didn't well we certainly never pureed
0: anything really you went straight for the solid stuff
1: straight onto the solids and in fact we only ever bought a jar of baby food once when we were fog bound trying to fly back (laughs) from holiday once and he turned his nose up at it. He refused to have it. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so Toby has pretty much his entire life eaten with us or had on his plate more or less what we're having. I'm a big fan, because having read up about it back in the day with Toby, I, to me a lot of it just sort of made sense when, when they describe, um, and I think touched on touching it, the whole, you assume pureeing and spoon feeding is just what you do with babies but that's mm. clearly that that's quite a modern uh, approach to what you do with babies and we found in the early in the very early days you know some sort of the first two or three months it is just about them sitting up at the table in their high chair having on the plate in front of them some things some food some you know if you if you have broccoli with your meal give them some little block broccoli florets type Mm. of thing and Mm. you know just things that they can um they will naturally start grabbing and putting in their mouth you you don't need to train them to put food in their mouth
0: yeah and at this stage they don't have teeth necessarily so then they're not going to be you know biting chunks off of very solid stuff like you know carrots or pineapples or whatever
1: no so you steam veg
0: um that sort of thing so
1: in fact just like you would steam carrots. You know, if you were having a cooked dinner, you wouldn't have a raw carrot on the side. You would steam them or boil them or something so they were soft. Okay, you might boil them just a little bit longer, maybe, but you don't have to. Mm. I think there are a few things that I liked about it. There was the the fact you're not constantly having to cook extra things, different things, special things for them. Yes. Okay, it might <laughs> it might change slightly what you cook for yourself, but... We, we suddenly got very conscious about salt.
0: I was going to say, that's something that Anton mentioned. That, yeah. Um, and, and I've heard before that babies don't tolerate salt. So you need no. to be watching out for that when you decide, you know, what, what you're feeding them.
1: Exactly. and then, But then you suddenly become quite aware just how much added salt there is in so much food. Like stock cubes. You know, who knew? I'd, I'd never noticed you can get low-salt stock cubes.
0: Oh, right. So and if you're making a risotto and you want to be able to share it with your, with your little one, then... Yeah choosing the stock carefully can even be a big part of it as well yeah
1: and i have to say i've I've never noticed a difference between the low salt and regular ones so um you yeah, know it's probably done us some good as well <laughs> um so yeah so the, there's the whole not having to prepare separate food for them one of the things is that, that they suddenly say if you read up about it toby is n- not a fussy eater he, or uh, he went through a little phase of it but yeah, that's just the rebellious three-year-old. But you know that there isn't. But that's he might just go off something for a day, and the next day he will be eating it fine, mm. as opposed to turning his nose up at things he's not used to.
0: Right. Be-
1: because from day one he's used to the different textures of food. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's had
0: broccoli and cucumber, and you know all all the things that yeah. Pasta, little children might never have seen whatever yeah. it might
1: be. Exactly. And mm. you know, as it was described for me, if you're weaning them purely on puree, then they have no you know they don't know about the texture of food so when you right. start moving on to solids it's a bit oh what's this you know why isn't this the nice smooth paste that i'm used to yeah um so so we like that um i think the key to it is in the early early days you don't really expect them to take any nutritional value from the food it's about them learning about hand-eye coordination and feeding themselves and you know picking up food that type of stuff and you do it very much alongside the breastfeeding that they're still getting all their food from the breast milk
0: wes mentioned this on twitter wes west said um it's baby led weaning is a good way of having fun and being playful and to bear in mind that most of their nutrition comes from the formula or the breast milk that they're having alongside it um so not to worry about how much they eat and this was probably the biggest eye-opener for me this week about baby led weaning Um, and and in fact weaning in general, because I'd always had this notion that weaning is stopping doing something. You know, Mm. the the notion of like you're you're weaning yourself off of caffeine or sleeping pills or whatever. But actually (laughs) weaning doesn't mean just reducing or stopping something. It means getting accustomed to something else. Yeah.
1: I mean, some of the other things they talk about the benefits are because you're not feeding them, they are feeding themselves, and that's really quite a key thing with it. Mm. It is baby-led. Yeah. It means you don't overfeed them
0: so do you do you literally put a small plate of stuff on their plate and let them eat as much of it as they want and then stop is that the
1: yeah
0: that, that's how it goes and you you might need some
1: patience you can't you know if you're spoon feeding and you can sort of just you know, get through a get through a portion quite quickly but if it's baby led it it can take a bit longer because you'll go at their pace but it does mean they learn for themselves how much they want right and that you know, very basic sort of portion control of when they've had enough, they're going to stop. Yeah, and no you can tell because you know, they start getting distracted by things and you know it's time to wrap it up. Um, so, yeah, it can help avoid that sort of early childhood obesity because you've just been feeding them a, a sachet or a jar of whatever it is. And that's, that's, you just assume that's what they need.
0: We're using the book Your Baby Week by Week, which I'm sure I've mm-hmm. mentioned before as being a sort of useful Bible for what yeah. to expect and what to what to try and that sort of thing. And both that and the health visitor said, hold off of trying full-on baby-led weaning until about six months. Right. And it's probably, if we haven't said it already, it's probably well worth saying that your health visitor or your midwife or GP or wh- whoever is giving you proper health advice is the one to listen to. So anything that we say about timings or anything like that is just our finger in the air, uh, as is always the case on business hands. <laughs> we're not qualified <laughs> yes. medical professionals. Um, but yeah, so we were holding off of doing any solids or semi-solids or, or, or baby limb weaning stuff, at least mm. for a, maybe, maybe another month. Um, and I think for us, just this, this last couple of days has been mainly about the novelty of it, of just tra- trying something and, yeah, you know, the photo opportunity of it. But I am really looking forward um, in the next few weeks to mm. switching over to something a, a, a little bit more. Substantial and um, and hopefully not having ruined his his psychology around food by having no, spoon no. fed him a little bit and and even yeah. in the, those first times that we were it was very much at his pace and you know yeah. l- letting him show us whether he was actually yeah. keen on having more or not and and again not not straying
1: into medical advice at all there are good reasons to give sometimes to spoon feed because you know if if whatever is, they're not getting enough from the breast milk and you need to. Yeah, make sure their weight gain carries on as it should, that sort of thing, then baby-led weaning, where they go at their own pace, might not be the right thing
0: in all yeah. cases. So, and, and every baby's different, and the advice that yeah. you'll get for your baby will be tailored to yeah. you. And, of course, most health visitors are also different, so what they tell you might be yeah. very different from yeah. what our health visitor tells us.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Two <laughs> final observations, perhaps, on it. One is, one of the other things the baby then learns is their gag reflex. Oh, interesting. And this can be one of the more unsettling when you start because obviously they're just picking things up and sticking them in their mouth. (laughs) And the chew toys they've had probably are big enough that they don't go down the back of their throat. Hmm. So it takes them a little while to learn about their own gag reflex. And babies, the sort of the trigger point of when they'll gag is further forward in their mouth. Apparently, as they grow... The gag reflex moves further back okay as a sort of i assume like you know self-defense mechanism yeah that's
0: that's quite a handy uh handy side effect of the baby yeah. developing
1: right so you can go through some meal times when your baby starts gagging in front of you and it, it can be slightly unsettling because are they choking are they gagging but you know a couple times of that and then they seem to i mean certainly toby seemed to get the hang of it quite quickly but mm.
0: yeah yeah you know, so you that you may have to be brave, but also keep an eye out and be ready for a, a gentle tap if necessary. Yeah, be ready with a gentle tap. But
1: again, you know, you know the human race hasn't got to this point by you know, avoiding giving solid food to babies in case they choke. So you know, <laughs> there, there are natural reactions to deal with that. So, yes, uh, so my final bit, and I think Anton mentioned it, there is the baby-led weaning books you can get. There's there's a whole book all about it, and then there's also a cookbook, the baby-led weaning cookbook, Uh I can heartily recommend the cookbook. We, we have them both. The cookbook actually has the first section is all about the, the theory of it and that sort of stuff, and it is a good overview. And then the cookbook is really good. It's got some great stuff in there, um, tasty stuff for the whole family. <laughs> so if people were interested and were wanting to buy a book, I would almost suggest go straight to the cookbook because mm-hmm. I think it, it, it has the information you need plus all these recipes. Um,
0: so you get a bit of the theory as well as the yeah
1: the recipes. Yeah. And you know there there are one or two recipes in here that have, are just stock recipes we still do. Um but it's you know I'm I'm flicking through it now. It's got things like you know fish and chips, fish cakes, Thai curry, you know, macaroni cheese, all about various homemade tomato ketchup, lamb tagine. This isn't bland food. It's yeah. proper food that everyone would eat and just slightly tuned just to make sure you know things like reduce salt content and other things um, so it has the side effect
0: of making you think about meals for yourself as well as yeah what you'll you're for them that's very really nice so uh, as i said we we put the word out on twitter that this was something we were talking about and not only did we get a recording from anton we also got a bunch of people on twitter giving us their their thoughts and tips Chris Beadle said that homemade purees in uh, ice cube trays allow for economies of scale. He said that stewed peach and vanilla was his favourite for leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's handy, isn't it? If, you're, if you are pureeing things up, then mm. uh, keep, keeping some of it in the freezer, that's, that's something that we'll that yeah, be doing that, in the next couple of weeks.
1: That's certainly a good sign, yeah. Relly uh, tweeted that uh, they did baby-led weaning, um, <laughs> mostly because she couldn't be asked with pureeing. <laughs>
0: I like the honesty, really. Yep. Uh, Matt Smart uh, chimed in to say that baby load winning worked really well for them as well. Uh, chunks of banana, toast, porridge. She fed herself and now she eats most things, apparently. Uh, and also he suggested getting some bibs uh, or maybe a dog, he suggests, to clean the floor because it's <laughs> astonishing how far the food goes.
1: Yes, I, I can attest to that. We and Okay, so here's a tip. You can absolutely buy baby mats to go under the high chair. Right. Here's the tip. b and cheap plastic shower curtain a shower curtain fraction of the price maybe not as durable but it does, and you know perhaps not as pretty it depends i think we've got a, a spotty one <laughs> um yeah it, you know, it's, it's a plastic sheet <laughs> that's a tarpaulin would work <laughs> yeah um, but yeah definitely a tip to if you value your floor your carpet whatever uh yeah
0: sheeting I like the sound of that. Uh, James Jeffries chimes in with a plus one for baby lab weaning as well. Um, he says it saves a lot of cash on baby food nonsense.
1: And uh, good friend Wes points us at uh, baby porridge is a good place to start. Although they were advised to move on to ready brek after a bit because it's far cheaper.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. I have heard everyone talks about baby rice. Is that like a pre-packaged porridgey type stuff, or or is that literally rice pudding? What what's going on with baby rice? Do you know? I've no idea. It, no, you you went straight for the yeah, steamed we, carrots. We went straight to the straight
1: to the roast chicken. So uh, I, I guess one one aspect of baby led, which is worth touching on, which is a potential downside, is when you want to eat out. Um, Ooh. Because it's one thing, you know, if you're going to uh, you know, a restaurant for a meal or wherever you're going, if you take a jar of baby food with you, you know you know what you're giving them can sometimes be a bit more of a challenge if you're trying to do baby-led weaning and you go out for a meal, because you know, restaurants don't tend to do kids' meals suitable all the way down to
0: babies. Yeah, so, and often the food that's on your plate is going to be smothered in salt and butter and all lovely yeah. delicious things.
1: Yeah, so that's where you look for salads and that type of stuff, so it, it's a challenge, and um you know, that thought's just occurred to me, and I'm sure I can't really remember what we did with Toby, but you know, clearly we, we coped with it, but um, yeah, maybe if if anyone's got any tips and secrets for for how you cope when you go out to eat, do you take a little pack lunch box with you with your carrot sticks already in
0: there, or what? Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Um, yeah, that's great. Well, okay. Well, I'll let you know over the next few episodes uh, how he gets on with all of that. Excellent.
3: Beardy Dad's.
0: Recently, in a previous episode of Beardy Dad's, we were talking about eczema, and uh, we sent out a call for help and said. Uh, this wasn't something that we knew very much about, but uh, Matthew White um, has had all too much experience with eczema, and he's been in touch with this.
3: Hi, Beardy Dads, Matthew here. Just want to say hi and pass on some thoughts about uh, eczema that you were talking about in your recent episode. So I'm dad to Daniel six, Christopher two and a half, and as both my wife and I had eczema as kids, and pretty much grown out of it, although you've got to say it never really goes away, we weren't too surprised when. Daniel, myself, our first son, had pretty bad eczema. It was actually to the extent that the itch was so bad that uh, poor chap would actually wake up being really hot, itchy and scratchy at night, screaming because he didn't know what was going on, and getting pretty disturbed. So actually our sleepless nights pretty much lasted quite a long time. And on top of actually a bad colic, which is another circle of hell as a parent, it wasn't actually great for quite a while. Sadly, I don't think you really can find a magic frog you can rub on. The key really to it is keeping on top of it with some good quality emollient. And actually there's lots of different types available. And some suit some people and some suit others. And I think I counted up in our house, we've probably got about seven different types. So it's worth doing some trial and error and asking about different ones and actually seeing if you can maybe get some samples. Because they are available just to see what suits But first of all, you probably do need to get on top of it, and that's the hard part, and that's where you do need to probably get the prescription stuff. And that's going to range from various different strengths of hydrocortisone, steroids, or indeed there are actually now some quite good um, new things available, sort of immunosuppressants I believe, that actually do work really well, and you may have to go to some quite strong stuff at times. But once you've got on top of it, the key is actually keeping on top of it, and that's where the moisturising with emollients comes in. Plus, you also need to see if you can find out, is there some trigger that really kicks it off and makes it worse? This can be quite delayed, but it can be anything from food. Um, Things like kiwis actually apparently are quite uh, good at triggering off eczema. And also, things like are there any allergies or intolerances? So Daniel's got a milk and egg protein allergy, so that kicks it off. Heat also can do it. If you get really hot, you start rubbing and scratching. And in fact, rubbing is probably even more damaging to the skin than scratching. And any other allergies, dust mites or anything like that? Oh, indeed, once when Daniel went into the sea, seawater was absolutely awful. came out looking like a tomato. So, there's lots of different things that can trigger it off. And one thing is trying to find out what actually is the trigger. So there's no magic bullet it's just to try and keep on top of it so good luck
1: the whole topic of sort of childhood allergies you know being allergic to different food i think you mentioned the milk protein allergy that sort of thing um i think that's going to be a an interesting one for us to talk and, and get some input from dear listeners on
0: yeah that would be good actually i mm. think allergies as a as a whole subject will be good mm. but on the eczema
1: we have you know, we go to great lengths to say we are not medical professionals. Uh, do not take our advice as as you know official guidance but uh friend of the show dr cammon hansford um has been in touch and she is a medical doctor she is an actual doctor yeah. um so she's given us uh, some input on eczema um basically saying there are lots of different causes sometimes allergy um sometimes it can just be sensitivity of the baby skin uh And you can get into a cycle where the skin becomes dry, which causes itching. Scratching causes inflammation and further itching and so on. And her tip is the best moisturisers are lotions rather than creams. And that's because creams can contain additives, which can themselves cause irritation. Uh, Lotions are more sloppy and a bit of a pain, uh, but they don't contain those additives and can be tolerated much better. And generally try to remember to moisturise after getting out of the bath. When it gets very irritated and the moisturisers don't work, uh, sometimes you want to use a mild steroid. Um, but of course that has to be prescribed by your GP and you only use it for very short periods. Um, you know, It's only to deal with the, those outbursts. A lot of people love the steroids because the response is so quick, but it's best to try and avoid their use in the first place by slapping on the moisturiser.
0: Interesting. So steroid to get on top of it, moisturiser to stay on top of it.
1: Yeah, and moisturisers to hopefully avoid... Mm. it getting so bad yeah well thank you Cameron. that is very useful
0: yes that is i like having real doctors telling us things <laughs> that are actually scientifically useful so thank you both and um, we're we will be ready for any contributions or, or tips or suggestions that anyone else has mm-hmm. if you're listening to this um, and you've suffered with eczema and you've found something that that works incredibly well as ever get in touch on that subject or any other you can email us at podcast at beardydads.co.uk and we're at beardydads on twitter
3: Beardy Dads.
1: well we uh no show last week but we have had two new itunes reviews come in it's my favorite part of the show actually it, it's always a fun to see what people have to say so we've had one uh from Cordek who says from a clean shaven dad five stars i found this podcast completely by accident." I am a new dad of a seven-week-old girl. Having found this prior to her arriving, I managed to listen from the first episode. It's really great. On my commute to work, it's like I have two other dads with me to talk through all dad-related stuff. If you haven't downloaded this yet, do it. Great podcast, guys. See you on the next commute.
0: Thank you, Kordek. We've got another one as well from Andy Pandy Wheat who says, my partner Joe and I are expecting our first babies, twin boys, oh my goodness, good luck Andy, Uh, mid-June, and uh, I've gone back to the start of the podcast and listened back from the start. Being a nervous new parent-to-be, to know the troubles and problems I'm likely to be encountering is a real help. Knowing other guys are going through the same stages is very comforting. The guys are interesting and relevant with their advice. I also follow them on Twitter, which you can too, listeners, at Beardy Dads. Uh, And Andy, you probably haven't got there yet, but we definitely talk about twins quite a bit in the first few episodes. Yes.
1: And do let us know uh, how you get on.
0: Yeah. Good luck. And uh, we'd love to hear your your twin dad tips.
1: Yeah. We've also had a lovely email from Alex Hardwick. Hi, Biddy Dads. I want to let you know how much I appreciate your podcast. I'm an expat living in Sweden and having access to British dads talking about all these things is such a blessing as the humour, attitudes etc here are sometimes quite different and I can feel a little left out. My wife is one week overdue and we're just about to go into hospital. We kept the sex of the baby a surprise but either way I'm about to be a dad looking forward to more Beardy Dads.
0: Well, thank you Alex and good luck to you and Mrs Hardwick. Yeah. Uh, and uh yeah, that's that's exciting times. You'll probably be you'll probably be in hospital right now. Yeah, but I expect by the time people are listening to this, uh you will be
1: a dad. So again, let us know how you are. Let us know how everyone is and uh thanks for listening.
0: Yeah. Thank you to you and to everyone who's contributed to this episode and to everyone else who's been talking to us and about us since the last time we put one out. That includes One-Armed Freddy, Part-Time Bob Ferris, my favourite username yet, David Murphy, Andrew Wheaton, Aaron Ashmore, Rob Grundle and Rob Derbyshire and many more.
1: And, of course, thanks to Wes for the theme tune.
0: Well, Nick, in a couple of weeks' time, um, I know you're off on your travels again, but it's, it's Father's Day on the 15th of June, I think. Yes, in the UK. Uh, in most countries. Is it in most countries? Third week of June is traditional in nearly every country. Third Sunday, I think, uh, in June is. Except for some countries where they align it with the birthday of the king or something similar. Right. So, yeah, Wikipedia is, uh, is as you might expect, rather comprehensive on the subject. And then some.
1: So, yes, Father's mm. Day in a couple of weeks. Um, it kind of feels like we ought to mark it somehow. Uh, we did kind of miss Mother's Day
0: we did that was sort of awful wasn't it but father's day coming up and given that we're a podcast for dads by dads mostly by dads um it would be nice to do something yeah we don't know what if you
1: feel like uh sending in a contribution around father's day what what have you got planned what are you doing uh what do you want to say to your i don't know
0: so anything um from things that you have enjoyed because this is quite a hard thing what do you do for father's day I'm not sure what what we've done in the past. I I, I might have occasionally sent a card. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to hear what other people's traditions and uh, way, ways of celebrating their their relationship with their father is. Yeah, that'd be nice. And if you're feeling really up, up for it and you want to actually ask your dad a question on tape and send us a recording of that, that would be amazing.
1: Yes, but that's in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with... Uh, an episode about more stuff
0: yeah i have literally no idea what we'll talk about next week so if you've got uh, a burning question or tip or suggestion or something that you'd love to talk about or to to have us talk about then do get in touch so if you do want to send anything in we're podcast at beardydads.co.uk and of course beardydads on twitter and we will see you same time next week good night Rue. good night nick sleep well bye